Yeah, hang on. Um, I just need to finish feeding coins into it. I don't know why we designed it to take change. Why we couldn't just... Oh, I mean, you can't use change in this, like, COVID-19 era. Oh, I so, suppose that, you know, that is good Everything's contactless, so you've got to find a use we, for We just decided that coins were available in the past, and therefore they'd be available in the future. We were foolish. Yeah. Stop talking and get in the box, man. Right. Okay, let's go. Let's go. All right. All right. and welcome back to some interseason goodness from your boys at Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, is Matthew Stockton. Hardy, somebody's got to be talking about your sequel! (laughs) 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 That was awful. Oh, that's a a thing. And of course, also joining us as always, is Tim Matum. Ooh, very good, Tim. Very good. <laughs> I don't know if anybody has a podcast player that can play backwards, but good luck with that. <laughs> I don't know if that's an option on most podcast playing apps. Maybe maybe our sponsor, Stitcher Premium, allows you to play your podcasts backwards <laughs> for no fucking reason. Um, but yeah. They'll hear it later in the timeline. Yeah, you'll, you'll enjoy it, folks. Don't worry. <laughs> if you haven't already guessed from the interesting diverse references from my sequelizing colleagues we're talking about time travel films on this episode and we're gonna get we're gonna get pretty in depth we're gonna talk about different types of time travel movies we talk about some of our favorites the origins the history pun intended matthew if you will (laughs) of time travel in fiction that led into time travel in movies and all that kind of stuff and i think Probably the history and the origins is probably a good place to kick it off, right? That makes the most sense. Yeah. Although before we do that, we should point out that uh, this very episode was chosen by patrons. Not a specific patron, but a patron vote. A Patreon vote, I should say. Um, How do you keep uh, saying patron? Patrons is what they are. You said patron. Patron yeah. legacy. <laughs> <laughs> um. So again, if you want to join in on this kind of stuff and have a say on how this, the, the series is shaped, we do have votes every now and again for the season. So head over to Patreon, check it out, see if you want to join on a tier. But time travel. It doesn't matter what the other, the other uh, alternative episodes were. That's for alternative timelines, which we'll discuss later. <laughs> um, the history of time travel is actually quite straightforward. Um, <laughs> unlike time travel itself. Yeah. Because as far as cinema is concerned, uh, it comes from adaptations of books and plays. Um, surprise, surprise. Yeah. Uh, the, there, are, there are two very strong schools of thought, being H.G. Wells and Mark Twain, um, in terms of popular adaptations like The Time Machine and A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court, he said with a mouthful. <laughs> um, and there's obviously other science fiction literature and things like that, and it's been a thing that sort of, you know, tales of tomorrow kind of, you know, uh, explored in different ways. But as far as cinema is concerned, when the silent movie era came out, obviously you had much like a play. You could transport the audience to any time, any place, anywhere, that kind of thing. You know, Georges Méliès kind of stuff would always be of that ilk, you know, the whole journey to the moon, for example. The narrative structure of film, however, was quite straightforward in the same way that a play is quite straightforward at the time. It's just 
um, a narrative linear timeline. So the idea of messing with that early on is a bit radical in the same way that I've just invented a new sport. Cool. I'm going to do an alternate rule. No, no, fuck you. No house <laughs> rules. We've just invented this sport. Let's, let's wait until people understand how it works before you start fucking around with it and modding it like a video game. Um, <laughs> so I think for that purpose, when film did start up, uh, the idea of doing a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court, which is exactly how it sounds, by the way, it's about a, uh, a, a contemporary to Mark Twain's time traveling back to medieval um, England. And again, we should point out now, this is the thing about time travel that's always a bit of a bit of a stickler here. Time and probably space at that point, because you don't just go literally the point you're standing, like uh, in a ghost story, for example, <laughs> where it's like the world will move around me and I'm just stationary or, or in a t the time machine as such. It's like, no, no, you're going back to a time and a place specifically. So there's been a few adaptations of that. Um, there was a 1921 silent film. There was the 1931 sound adaptation. I want to say Butler actually did quite a few of these time travel films in general, um, the, the director of Brent Butler, um, and uh, a 1949 musical. And they're all reasonably successful, did rather well. Um, and there are obviously other examples, because one could argue that the flashback sequences in arguably any film could count as time travel. But more importantly, if you take like Ebenezer Scrooge, in all the Christmas Carol stuff. Mm, he yeah. is technically transported back, whether it is just to see something. That is a form of time travel. Mm. And again, we'll get to the nuances about that bullshit later. Yeah, well, just to, to touch on a couple of things you mentioned there, it's interesting that those two, like in science fiction literature, time travel kind of emerged in the late 1900s. Sorry, late 1800s. Um, in 1888, you had H.G. Wells, his first time travel book called The Chronic Argonauts. Um, and then in 1895, you had The Time Machine. And those were both kind of what we'd consider science fiction nowadays, um, where yeah. he went into details about how traveling through time worked. And then in between those two, in 1889, you had a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court, where he literally just gets hit on the head and wakes up and he's in a different time. Um, exactly. Which kind of shows you two approaches to time travel uh, very cleanly from the start. Um, but yeah, the the early time travel, it tended to be very basic on film and it tended to be a case of someone goes back in time or forward in time and then that is the story told. Then perhaps they try and return and there was very little mucking around within your own timeline and the kind of the confusion that that can lead to. Um, a big leap forward, like Matt said, was in the 60s, you had the adaptation of The Time Machine. Uh, which won, it was the first time travel film that won Best Visual Effects Oscar. Um, but time travel still remained quite a esoteric subject for film. You had a few things, you had things like Slaughterha Slaughterhouse-Five um, and a couple of other bits and pieces, Planet of the Apes, which dabbles in time travel, etc., etc. Mm. Um, but it was the 80s when you had the double hit of the Terminator and the Back to the Future films where suddenly time travel kind of opened up and became this, you had things like predestination paradoxes and, um, you know, the actions in part of your timeline affecting other parts. And Hollywood basically found a way to make these topics, which had by this point been covered quite thoroughly in science fiction literature, palatable enough to general audiences that they could digest them within the space of a film. And then 
once you have that in the late 80s, going into the 90s and the 2000s, there was a lot of time travel floating around, often in quite unexpected places. Um, but we'll, we'll get onto that um, a bit later. But it certainly, Terminator and Back to the Future were opened up audiences and studios to looking at time travel in a much more complex way um, and looking at the the repercussions of it uh, in a way where you had consistent rules within a movie that characters could learn and manipulate. So yeah, so there, there, there are these, and this is kind of a central thing to a lot of science fiction films, is you have to establish the rules of how your, science, uh, how your time travel works because mm. it's a thing that we can't, you know, it's not like even you know, certain science fiction or science fantasy where you can go, well, there's an equivalent in the real world, so we kind of know how it works. You know, if you're fighting with a lightsaber, I can get the idea, well, it's it's like a sword that's very hot, and these are the rules behind <laughs> it. Time travel really has no equivalent in the real world, and so every science fiction story gets to pick how it is going to work for that story. Yeah, and this is the thing as well. It wasn't just an American thing either. There, uh, especially in the sixties, there was a very strong presence elsewhere. So in France, you had I'm going to butcher it. I don't care. I think it's Le Jeté, um, which is what eventually inspired Twelve Monkeys. It's a French film. Um, there's obviously, as much as I don't like it, Doctor Who in the UK, and that's obviously a big, strong presence of things. And in Russia. Uh, Ivan Vasilievich, uh, which was like, like the highest, or most, sorry, the most attended movie in Russia in the 1970, well, in, sorry, in the Soviet Union in 1973. Um, and in the 70s, you had a lot of interesting science fiction from the Soviet Union with the Solaris and things like that. But um, again, it's it's not just an exclusive, oh, this is an American idea of time travel because it's it's been pointed out fairly recently that time travel is a luxury of white men. <laughs> it's very much a case of if you travel back in time and you're not a white dude, chances are you're going to die. Yeah, as as much as I don't, you know, you can't like Louis C.K. anymore because of all the terrible stuff he's done. And <laughs> sure. He did have a point of like, being white is amazing because we're the only people who can just travel in time to whenever we want. You go backwards, doesn't matter. You're fine. Good luck for literally anyone else. Women, mm. people of colour transgender people, people in the LGBTQ community, anybody that's not a straight white man, you travel basically further than like 40 or 50 years back in time. And you're, you're, you're a second-class citizen. You're not even classified as human in some cases. Yep. It is fucking nuts how quickly that goes out the window. Mm, yeah. And you kind of... I didn't really think about that in terms of time travel movies until we were you know thinking about this episode and stuff and how... So often it is just like, it's just a given. They're like, oh yeah, we travel back in time. And oh, it's those crazy, like take Bill and Ted, for example. Like, oh, they're yeah. wearing jeans and a t-shirt <laughs> in, in the medieval times. Isn't that so wacky? Like, imagine if they were black, it would be way different and be men, <laughs> like completely um, different. There's a film with Charles Dance and Whoopi Goldberg. I'm pretty sure she gets arrested on board already. five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> she tries to bring them to um, uh, commerce and and industry i think and, and more importantly in the classic way how does she prove herself she predicts a um an eclipse yeah. always the way forward how do you show you you're from the future and you're a good person eclipse oh my god they control the sun um 
but but yeah, it's it, it's it's very much a story of wouldn't it be cool if we could do this? And you have to go away from war at the end of the day. It's it's quite interesting that that mo if you look at a good timeline of films about time travel, um, a lot of them don't take place after the war. It's not until the sixties and people have actually have time to go. Actually, it would be cool to go some other time that isn't you know. Because again, you don't want to explore the past because the past is literally just we've had a huge fucking, you know, melee across the world. We don't need this right now. Don't, that regressive kind of mindset. And also because of the nature of like the various codes in place in cinema. And if you take Japan, for example, you couldn't do certain films in the 40s mm. that were in any way glorifying the history of Japan because it was like, no, 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 no. You're being punished for what you did. You don't get any independent, you don't get any sort of like Mm. cultural identity you stop that right now not until the 50s did it start coming back and that kind of stuff but that's the point it, it, it's it's a fun exploratory uh hypo um hypothetical that comes from privilege at the end of the day which is why obviously from america and let's face it the origins are usually um british colonialism like oh i wonder what if yeah you know insert here and we're still i mean even now with regards to a slightly different obviously with regards to time travel but the what if story is still very much, oh, what if this? And it almost comes down to World War II in some way, shape or form. <laughs> um, but let's stick to time travel and let's do, we, we in previous episodes like this, what we've done is we've um, talked about various different types of categorization and classification and all that sort of stuff. And then finally ended up with our own choices. We're going to do that a little bit differently because when we listed off our choices, we noticed that they um, sort of lent themselves to different styles. Uh, you know, as as is typical for us, because obviously we have very different tastes and things. Yeah. Um, I don't know if ours are all very predictable, if I'm honest. I, um, I imagine people go, what do you think we'd go with, you know, oh, Terminator and Back to the Future, and, and it's like, ah, oh, interesting. Um, so, Jack, what's 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 your... Are we saying these are our favourite time travel films? I think they are, Not necessarily, they? no. Oh, but... oh, just one you want to highlight. Yeah, well, it's one of my favourites, absolutely. That's fair but enough. That's it's fair something enough. I'm... It's one of the more interesting ones for me because we're going down the hard sci-fi route. Sure. In a way, and then we'll, get, we'll very much get into this discussion because as I'm sure the listeners know, and certainly as you two know, uh, I love me some physics. I have a degree in physics mm -hmm. and I find science, specifically when science and science fiction cross over and make things more relevant. That's why I was like, oh, Interstellar's amazing. This is going so great. Oh, you time traveled with love in a bookcase. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> love is the one thing that transcends time and space. <sighs> Shut it, Hathaway. <sighs> Shut it right now. <sighs> Don't get me started. It's a borderline man of steel with me ranting about Interstellar. We'll, <laughs> Fair we'll, enough. Get, Fair we'll enough. get to that at some point, I'm sure. But that film starts off with like one of the most accurate representation 3D models of a black hole ever created as consulted by some of the world's specialists mm. to do with black holes and astronomy and stuff. And it's like, that's incredible. And I love it when there's moments where they really like turn to the scientific community and, and bring real life physics and real life stuff. So it's not just, you know, there's plenty of escapism in films already. You kind of, if you want just silly shit, you can, there's plenty of stuff out there. I mean, we always reference the MCU. I know we do, but there you go. None of that shit makes sense. There's, I mean, speaking of time travel, they have time travel the MCU now because, and they time heist. My highlighted quote from Endgame was uh, the Ruffalo quote, which is, "Look, um, it either all makes sense or it none of it makes sense. Just get on board with it. Going. <laughs> it's like, 
Yeah, that, that's a, it's kind of a paraphrase of physicist Niels Bohr, who mm. said, if you think you understand quantum mechanics, you don't understand quantum mechanics, <laughs> which I think is fantastic. And the one I want to talk about is probably something a lot of people have heard of, maybe not necessarily everybody's seen, because it was it's kind of become a cult following since its release. I'm talking about 2004's Primer. Mm-hmm. And this is a particular special place in my heart because I saw it completely accidentally, as much of my favorite films I have seen <laughs> completely accidentally or mm-hmm. going, gone in completely blind. I can't remember how I saw it. I, I must have picked up a DVD or seen it on TV or something. I don't know how I saw it, but I had no idea what it was going in. I just saw a poster and like a tagline and that's it. And I was like, okay, cool, interesting. And it kind of tackles this very quote-unquote realistic attempt at time travel where it's these two guys aaron and abe and they kind of accidentally discover this amazing time travel machine they accidentally build it basically which is what happens all the time in science (laughs) you accidentally discover penicillin you accidentally discover this you're trying to do one thing and oh shit you made this thing instead or or whatever it is Mm. happens all the time and that side of it where it's just like two science dudes in a garage building a box and just winging it is so like endearing to me and the fact that the whole film was shot on like a seven thousand dollar budget the director shane caruth has now gone on to do other great films as well stars in it directed it did the visual effects for it like just one man banded the whole fucking thing basically um which you can kind of tell when the when when you can tell some of the visual effects aren't exactly (laughs) perfect but when there's multiple versions of the characters like appearing and stuff but the basis is they make this like cardboard box basically thing like a coffin sized box and if you go into it you stay in there for a period of time your clone pops out pop it the clone pops out before you even go in which is mad mm-hmm. however long you stay in there is how long in the past you travel because there's there's rules to it which i mm. which i like you know we we talked about this on the fantastic beast thing sure. i like it when the magic and the science fiction and stuff has an actual sort of tangible rule to it. It's not just like you go in and it magically happens and there you go. It's not a fix all for a situation. It's it's a case of like exactly, here is yeah. the 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 get out, but also the binding in the first place, which is kind yeah. of writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then with Primer, you they tackle both kind of like greed as a theme and capitalism and stuff like that, because of course these two nobodies in a fucking garage, they discover this incredible thing. What's the first thing they try and do? Make some money out of it. Let's, let's, let's go biff on this shit and try and predict some stocks and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then the other realistic thing is there's jealousy in there between the two of them, and they realize that they're trying to like outsmart each other, and one of them has another box that he's trying to like sneakily undo the other guy's deeds with with his other box and time traveling mm-hmm, and there's mm-hmm. and there's multiple clones of multiple of the two characters kind of battling against each other without even realizing. And yeah, it's just a it's a real kind of thinking like thinking logically you can kind of piece it together as you go, but if you have to really pay attention to it. And I really like that. Like I went in completely blind and as soon as I was hooked in, I was like, okay, who's this? Where's this going? What's happening here? Blah 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 blah. And then it tackles with like alternate timelines and stuff. So the 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 original quote unquote person that goes in the box like never comes out of the box because when they come out they're the clone that comes out 
kind of like the prestige spoilers for the prestige (laughs) (laughs) for a what 15 year old film whatever it is now but this kind of like thinking about the consequences of time travel not just for like oh you're gonna mess up the timeline or whatever but like the personal consequences for you and their personalities start changing as the film goes through and the film's like less than 90 minutes long i think it's like barely feature length but it goes the characters are able to go through so many changes because you kind of lose track of like okay has he done it three times or has he done it 30 times at this yeah. point and he he knows like second by second what's going to happen mm. and is therefore like incredibly short fused because he knows exactly what the other guy is going to say but yes get out of my way fuck it go out go away i know what you're going to say shut up i'm busy doing this thing i'm making money <laughs> and then it will all come back and like yeah it, it, it's it's a brilliant character study and i really like aaron and abe's relationship and how it develops and how it grows and how it then sours and then yeah it's a really really interesting study those two characters and the fact that it was made on such a small budget and kind of tries to stick to its own rules in that kind of hard sci-fi kind of way which like i said is a huge genre i like and a a genre that isn't particularly explored in time travel very often i feel like time travel of many of the the sci-fi genres is one that is often wishy-washy hand wavy timey wimey wibbly wobbly to do a <laughs> to Doctor Who quote for you, Matt. Um, it's all just like fuck it. There's a magic box and they time travel. There you go, kind of thing. Whereas this one actually tries to go out of its way to explain what's going on, the consequences mm. of that, how long it takes, why it's working, and all this kind of stuff. And I just find it absolutely fascinating. And I- you get more and more with every rewatch as you work out how many times Abe and Aaron have been through each other's timelines and stuff like that, which is really cool. I, I remember seeing it relatively close to when it came out. Um, and it's very much a... Oh, this is going to sound like a pun. It's very much a time capsule piece. Uh, 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 fuck off. And um, in that sense, because it talks about, without even realising, the rise of Silicon Valley. Um, uh, the idea of um, startup companies in garages becoming... Yeah. And 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 the double crossing and the paranoia and basically I mean it's it's jobs of Wozniak isn't it like, yeah jobs of Wozniak <laughs> it's 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 the social network it's just yeah. it ha- rather than having a a machine where everyone logs in and tells you what they ate for lunch it's a fucking time travel um, but the thing about this film is it's it's I remember it was a sort of preface to me when I watched it in the first place um, and I would preface anyone who wants to watch it as well I advise people watch it because it's a very good film it's very entertaining what it is. But it's very rough because it is a very cheap movie, but it's very yeah. well done. And it doesn't give a fuck if you don't understand. And that, yes. for me, is very important. Because the more you talk down to the audience, the more I think you lose them, or, or lose my respect, certainly. Um, and I think the, the Paramount thing, people, I mean, talk about the visual effects, for example. I think a lot of leeway should be given for anything visual music anything providing the writing is clever Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day all time travel movies hinge on the writing this is why for example back to the future Yes, it's a time travel film. Yes, it's got a cool car from the 80s. Yes, it does like big flaming tracks in the road and shit, and that's great. (laughs) But it's about basically, would this kid be friends with his dad? And that kind of writing draws you in. Mm. And you're like, oh, that's cool. 
Would would that kid's mum try to fuck that kid? <laughs> oh, that's the real question. That's that's unfortunately the only question that seems right. Um <laughs> and that's where I think Nolan falls down quite a lot because I know a lot of people haven't seen Tenet. I won't say or spoil anything. Don't worry. I don't encourage anyone to go to the cinema. It's, it's right got now some because... time in Wimey Wibbly Wobbly. Yeah. yeah. And it's very similar to Primer. I mean, this is from the trailers. It's not giving anything away. But the idea of walk, going forward and backward in time, for example, um, the difference being rather than in a box, you've got inversion, as they call it. And that's all fine. And I won't say anything more than that. But um, it, it very much is an interesting premise because... The idea is good. They don't do enough with it, and the writing's kind of flat because it's just a James Bond film, and that's the problem. <laughs> that's the that's the issue. It's it's if you haven't got in your head an absolute tight, foolproof script, you will fall apart. And I don't mean necessarily make the time travel work because again, Looper nails that right way when you know Bruce Willis slams his hand on the table and says. Look, we're not talking about time travel, okay? We'll have straws on the table and all kinds of shit, and I don't have time for that crap. <laughs> Brilliant. Love it. That really sort of like, shut the fuck up. Because that's not the story. That's the, the vehicle, as it were. But we'll come back to that in more detail later. But again, as I said, Primer doesn't try and hold your hand. It talks, because I think um, the director is just a, a, he's a, he's a maths degree graduate, as it were. He, he is, he, yes. He gets his maths, basically. And this film throws a lot of maths at you. You can either get lost trying to explain the nuances of how it works or you just push the urgency of what happens. And this here is the breakdown of the friendship, for example. Um, th- it, but by putting the maths in, it gives it a, almost like a, a credibility, but it still pushes away. It's like, this is how a rocket works. I know you don't understand you fucking pleb, but I do. And that's all that matters. And Primer does that in a fantastic way that I think both ostracizes people and draws them in because although you don't get it, you get that they get it, and that's all that matters. I think it's worth noting, if, if people are interested in seeing Primer, um, Shane Carruth, who is the writer-director, stars in it, uh, unfortunately has been accused of abuse by ex-girlfriends. So if you weigh that up into what media you consume, uh, that is a thing to Ugh. consider. Classic! Uh, as, unfortunately, so many of uh, Hollywood's figures are. Um but uh, yeah, I, I think like Primer is a really interesting film and, and one that by being so lo-fi in its production strips away all of the kind of the flashy things that we kind of associate with time travel and drills down to something that is both at, at its core, like like you say, the maths, the, 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 the raw science of it, but also... Even that is just kind of set dressing for the actual story, which is about betrayal and corruption and greed and how two people can work together, basically. It's the opening scene in uh, 2001. Mm. Monkey gets thing, tool, item, smashes other monkey with it. (laughs) And, you know, if you craft it together, eventually one will say, yeah, but I think I did more work on this. Mm. I think I understand it more than you do. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think I'm the sequelizer. <laughs> that kind of bullshit, you know, that, yeah. that's the nightmare story of all these things. <clears throat> I think I, the lead singer, are the most important part of this band. That's always true. Every lead singer says that. <laughs> it's just as a bass player. That's just a fact. I'm used to it. It's normal. Well, uh, going back to Primer and, and kind of talking about how it uses hard sci-fi and stuff. You mentioned that time travel is like mad bullshit that doesn't exist in real life. 
it kind of does let time dilation and various forms of quote unquote time travel do exist in real life there are there are ways to adjust your perspective of time and how you experience time depending on how close you travel to the speed of light and all this kind of stuff for example there's a theory and this is mm. a this is a wackadoo theory don't go saying mm. oh jack's a physicist he knows exactly what he's talking sure, about sure. i'm not a physicist first of all and second of all i never know what i'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> but there's a theory that if you travel at the at the exact speed of light you don't experience time anymore Time for you essentially just stops and you can move as fast and as far as you want in literally no time at all, essentially teleporting. So there's a theory that photons of light, the little packets of light, the, the energy, the little particles, for want of a better phrase, of light, there is just one in the entire universe and it is constantly just everywhere all at once because it doesn't experience time and there's only one photon in the entire universe. It's a silly theory. It's probably not true. But shit like that is kind of possible when you get into the weird time shifting, time dilation, quantum mm. mechanics kind of stuff that, you know, we're kind of on the edges and on the on the breach of kind of understanding further. And as much as as a, the, the quote from Niels Bohr earlier, quantum mechanics has been around for years, decades at this point. But we still don't know really what the fuck is going on with a lot of it. And traveling getting closer towards the speed of light alters your perspective of time. So the faster you travel and the further away from a source of gravity you are, you experience time in different ways as well. So that's why say the, the, the twins experiment of one twin goes up into space is on the international space station. And one twin stays on earth. Mm -hmm. The one who goes to the international space station is younger and experiences less time because he's traveling faster and is further away from the center of the earth, which is the nearest uh, gravity point. Mm -hmm. he, he, they will be younger than their respective twin in on earth because they experience time in a different way. And taller or something or shorter? Because because the pressure in... Uh, they would be taller, yeah. Yes, that's right, taller. Yeah. Lower gravity means they would be taller. So, yeah. so yeah. sod all your so... anti-aging treatments. If you really want to keep young, you just need to shoot yourself along at like... 0.9% of the speed of light. Which is what well, yeah. Elon Musk yeah. is doing. Yeah. <laughs> Dear God. To. Yeah. He's going to hurl himself around at hundreds of thousands of miles an hour around the fucking planet in a but Tesla. This, but there are a lot, and this is the key word here, theories, because they're mostly thought experiments more than anything else. But I mean, the, the, the one that is used for people to just get their heads around the idea of time and how we perceive it, um, a roller coaster and sitting in a traffic jam. One may feel like an eternity, one may feel like a couple of seconds, and it's the, the time doesn't change, it's your perception of it. Um, it's like, oh my god, how long have I been stuck in this fucking traffic jam? It feels like two hours. It's like, it's been three minutes. Mm. That's impossible, mm. it feels like an eternity. That's Or, or I don't know, lockdown, where yeah. we've been in lockdown for a <laughs> Precisely. decade. Precisely, very, very soon. actually very been true. six months. Yeah, and <laughs> time and days like mean forever. almost nothing. Mm. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, there's also the idea of what about... Ooh, what if I could go back in time and I don't want to change anything. I don't want to like do the butterfly thing where I smash like a tread on something and you know, I'm, I'm my own grandfather or some other bullshit. Just go back, look around, maybe change some stuff, but it has no direct impact. And like, Oh, you mean memories and your imagination. <laughs> you can just mm. do that whenever you want. It's just that you say, well, yeah, yeah. Unless you mean actually going back and make an active impact. But then the nature of the theories is that if you leave this timeline to go do something else or travel backwards, can you go past your own birth? All kinds of weird shit. It's a very interesting subject. And once you get to the 80s where the public has enough idea of science fiction, and once there's enough of that there, 
the hard sci-fi types of time travel start to branch out into different types, basically. It becomes a subcategory. It's not just a time travel film. There are subcategories of time travel mm-hmm. films. Um, because it's like, oh, well, what if, you know, you can only go back to, to uh, within your own existence because, you know, that makes sense because you're of a certain age. Your, your atoms are only around for a certain... I don't know, bullshit like that. Or, and again, it's the laws that are made up within the movie. They don't have to actually be science. They just be whatever the film tells you is the standard. Or alternatively, is it back within your own timeline? A sort of animus style. You can go back to anything within your own timeline. I say, like, okay, that makes a sort of semblance of sense. Is it that it goes back to any time, any place? You can travel different places and so on and so forth. Um, Jack mentioned about time dilation being a very specific scientific thing. You can heighten that scientifically. Um, so if we just run through a few types, and we'll just basically just whip off some, just sort of some of these categories and types of movies specifically, so you can go, oh, okay, I like that movie. That's what we would consider this, mm. shall we say. We'll start with time loops. Partly because I made an award-winning time loop short film. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> I mentioned earlier about the writing. That shit is crucial. You set out your rules. If you don't tell the audience, it doesn't necessarily matter. If you don't tell the cast, the crew, it doesn't matter either. As long as you, the writer, know the rules. So you need to say, I thought about that and here's your answer. Yes. Okay. Alternatively, you get the Bay-isms of like, oh, who gives a fuck? It's just entertainment. Okay. That's unfortunately the nature of also industry in, in general. It goes because I needed it to go. <laughs> Love makes the world go round or some bullshit. And lets you tra- travel through time. Through time spaces. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So time loops. The idea that you are experiencing the same events over and over, as we've said, lockdown. Hello, welcome. <laughs> um, and there's lots of different examples of this kind of familiarity, that sort of almost, you know, analogous stuff for living under like, Stalinist rule or something like that, you know, the, the, or, or the Maoist kind of mindset of I'm, I'm in this really strange, decaying world where everything I do is the same and has no impact and I reset every day and every day is exactly the same, etc. Um, I think the, 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 the one that the public think of, to the point that it's practically a verb, is Groundhog Day. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. and, and most most films that deal with time loops that uh they tend to just be described as oh it's it's Groundhog Day but with exactly. murders. Like 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 all Happy Death Day. action films are described by it's Die Hard on a blank. Yeah. Die Hard yeah. in a blank. Yeah. It's every time loop is it's it's like Groundhog Day, but it's cats yeah. instead. Depressingly okay. I had to describe my film as Groundhog Day. Yeah, that's well. what you did. Because it's, it's how you do it. It's unfortunately, the, it's the game you play when was you do it, film pictures. Is yours Edwardian? Award-winning film. Oh, no, it's, it's, it's Stuart's, so it's James, James, uh, King James. No, I, I described it as uh, a Shakespearean Groundhog Day. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Because I, I also said it's not, it's also about... Um, it's just... Yeah, it's about alchemy and uh, the idea that rather than this guy would have no concept of time travel or time as a loop or anything like that, just like, time is a thing. So it would be like the audience would go, oh, it's like Groundhog Day. But obviously he wouldn't know that at all. Wait, wait, wait. Is Groundhog Day not based on a Shakespeare play? Uh, it's Richard III, isn't it? <laughs> we didn't talk about it in our Shakespeare yeah. adaptations. Of, them, so either it, so many. Either it is and we missed it out. Yeah, it's one of the yeah, lesser known ones. That's a gravest error on our yeah. part. I, I think time loops are a really tricky one because since Groundhog Day, they always have a very simple conclusion. Not even that, the structure is the same. Person has an event, you see all the things that are going to get repeated over and over, things that are seemingly innocuous and very tedious. They're set up, 
they repeat, rinse and repeat over and over and over. And um, there are some some minor deviations. And at the end, they either escape the loop or they die. That's that's kind of it. Yeah, well, we said we because I, obviously I mentioned a time loop film in our what we've watched recently, uh, which our Patreon yes. supporters mm. um, may have heard, uh, which is Palm Springs, which came out during uh, lockdown and was very uh, timely, haha, because of that. Ooh, okay. um, and it is there is a very set pattern to these where it tends to be, you see the person go through the first day, you see them start to repeat, and they're confused. Then they get used to it. Then they grow in despair because they realise they can't escape it and then they find yes. the way to escape it. Um, but there's so much room for variety within that pattern. And I think because of how Groundhog Day ha- became... I don't know. It's weird to call it a hit because I don't know if it made that much money at the time, but it's something that has become so ingrained in culture that it's mm. a form of time travel that the public understands in a way that they don't understand something like time dilation um yeah yeah it's you can kind of say to people like oh it's 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 like groundhog day except you know it's set on board a nuclear submarine and they'll go oh okay Mm. yeah no i'll give that a go um but that's that's kind of you know that obviously as we said that's only one form of of time travel there's your kind of classic um you know someone gets in a in a vehicle of some kind a box a phone booth um Mm. and can control it and and go back to a certain time you then discuss like how things branch out from there the the idea of alternate timelines where someone goes back to the past makes a change comes forward to the present and the present's different Mm -hmm. and it's then about dealing with the consequences of that or trying to go back and correct the mistake they made or possibly even you start off in the alternate and you go back and, you know, you kind of start off in the world where the Nazis won World War Two kind of thing. And it's mm. about going back mm. and finding yeah. out the change that was made to make that happen. And again, I think there's a, almost a split to each category. Is it intentional and you're actively doing it or is it accidental and it's a mystery you need to solve or that mm. kind of thing? Um, and I think with alternate timelines, again, if we're talking about the most common one, the alternative time has got to be Back to the Future Part 2 specifically. Mm. With the alternative 1985, I, I, would you guys agree with that? Do you think or? Yeah, I think so. Um, I know when we were discussing this, you pointed uh, to is it Red Alert Two? I believe Command and Conquer <laughs> the video. I game? always remember, Command and Conquer Red Alert is always a great example in video game because the idea is that Einstein travels back in time to avert World War Two, shakes hands with Hitler, which causes Hitler to be wiped out. He's like, "There we go, it's all been done, brilliant." Except then he finds out that by doing that. There's no one to stop the Soviet Union from riding up, so they become his impending huge force. And then by the time he gets to Red Alert 3, they're like, right, what we're going to do, go back in time and kill Einstein. Therefore, <laughs> there's no nukes. Problem solved, right? Like, no, because if there's no nukes, then Japan becomes this huge thing. It's like, damn, damn, damn. Um, so it's this ridiculous, hyper-real nonsense B-movie stuff, but it's, it's, it's the same concept. Weirdly enough, the ones I, I, I also listed as an example would be Donnie Darko, but mm-hmm. only in at the start and end of the movie basically that you are in you are already in the alternate timeline as it were yeah and then it corrects itself and the other one is the kelvin universe of star trek so the jj abrams reboot um whereby ship goes back in time this causes this event it puts everything off kilter kirk doesn't go to to starfleet etc 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 it's a different uh parallel universe things can exist separately because of that now the other one that people kind of 
don't necessarily think of as a time travel movie because it's it's arguably not it, it, or it only is in a mental sense kind of thing or or, or supernatural really uh it's, mm. it's a wonderful life very true that's mm. back to that um christmas carol thing isn't yeah, it it's the whole you're sampling yeah. something yeah you're still there's still you know an alternate thing happening mm. there's i hate to st- step away from films because that's obviously not what this podcast is about there's a spider-man comic specifically where this guy discovers time travel and he opens a door you step through the door go wherever you go and close the door so like, oh, that's cool and sp- in doing so when you go through the door everything that you are were and would be is irrelevant because you're out of time and existence in that moment and then when you come back it's like oh that's cool whereas when peter parker steps through because it's him as a scientist stepping through there's no spider-man which means the whole world is in tatters and it's an absolute state because ultimately his importance is is paramount he has to Mm. exist basically so the idea of taking him out of existence even as an experiment sets the whole world off kilter it's a nice little sort of as a alternative idea behind that sort of experiment to alternative universes and what happens if you're not involved most people are minuscule and don't make that much impact on a on a grand scale mm. the next one we'll, we'll bounce to though will be uh time dilation this is this is actually a tricky one time dilation because as tim said it's a hard one to explain to audiences um the I idea just, that i just tried to but yeah, yeah this is true it's true um yeah the idea that you are you are you are uh traveling at a different speed of time to somebody else now the way i tend to sort of convey that to somebody is every time quicksilver runs fast or the flash runs Mm. fast because time seems to stop or slow down significantly yeah cinema has gotten into this habit of showing fast moving things by using slow motion Mm. yes it's showing it from their point of view rather than from exactly yeah you you say that out loud it's like well he's traveling so fast everything's in slow motion like what that doesn't make any sense like no no that's how he perceives everything else. And Quicksilver, those scenes of Quicksilver and the, the recent X-Men films are the yes. good example where he's like moving bullets out of the air and they've, they've essentially stopped moving entirely and he's just kind of running around. Let's not get into the fact that his music is still playing in the Duh. right speed. That's, that's, that's a problem for me. But it's what I was talking about earlier in terms of the photon and stuff. He has experienced time in a different essentially in a different like little bubble compared to the everything around him. Mm. And the same is true for the planet in Interstellar as well, where they go and the, you know, they, they go down for like an hour and they come back and it's been 20 years for the guy on the ship or whatever. Because of the gravity of the, the because of the gravity affects the time dilation and all that kind of stuff. So the guy, as I mentioned with the, the twins and the astronauts and all that kind of stuff, people on planet find that they experience time faster than people in space and that interstellar example is a massively exaggerated version of what really happens in real life. Mm, yeah. Whereas you would become a few seconds to a few minutes younger, whereas this guy experiences like 25 years or whatever it is in interstellar. He's like, I've been waiting here for 25 years. <laughs> Have you though? You'd have gone let's, very insane. Let's let's not get into interstellar. I, I can remember, and I don't know if this is the original Time Machine adaptation or another one, um, mm. but... I could swear I remember a, a film or possibly even a TV show where they represented, they had a time machine very much in the classic like H.G. Wells version where it's kind of like mm. almost like a, a car meets a platform type thing that you go mm. and sit on and you set your destination and off you go. And the way they sure. represented that was by 
basically having like a time lapse environment around it so that yes, the person time machine the person sits there and time speeds up and they jump into the future which mean also means that presumably to outside observers there's just this weird barely moving statue of the person on the time machine <laughs> that like yeah. they, is constantly there throughout their entire lifetime and then you know that it's there as they're a child and then they go back 60 years later and it's you know the, the person's smiling a little bit more than they were and their hand has moved an inch from one lever to the other as they're about to press the stop button uh you know i i, I hate to use this as an example because there are better examples but one per example that actually i actually did like this visual fuck um in the recent Justice League film, <laughs> oh no! Where the Flash is, Snyder was coming, I knew Flash it. is running around to try and get round Superman, and obviously he's used to be running all the time. Oh and yeah, Superman Henry Cavill Superman is eerily turning slowly turn, towards. Him. That's turn brilliant. Mm. Yeah, Cause cause he, that, that's he's one of the few other people who can match the speed that. Yeah, yeah precisely. Yeah. Um, incidentally, I remember this time dilation stuff is actually in 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 a lot of films because. People being still and moving around, especially in like, tele- we're trying to avoid television because like Futurama does it really well with the coffee. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure oh, yeah. time you dilation. Three hundred coffees. Yeah, it yeah. appears in like fucking Lara Croft Tomb Raider, <laughs> where she's got a dagger being thrown at somebody and she turns it around. Uh, so it's not being for a Daniel Craig or some shit. And her, it, it, this is the thing I do, do like that rather than the Quicksilver thing. It's really hard to turn it around because you're using. Like, all the gravity of the world, to, you know, mm. is pushing it in one trajectory. To even alter it as slightly would turn, you know, physicality. Blah blah. There's and again, not to edge too far away from uh, films. There was mm. a, a, a an X Men, a minor X Men character who everybody oh, thought yeah. that they had super speed, but what they could actually do was control time around them. So although they oh. could look like they were running really fast, they were actually they like started out as a sixteen year old. And in the space of about six months, they aged up to being about twenty-two because they were moving at a fast through through time at a faster pace mm. than everyone else around them. So whenever they <laughs> ran with super speed, it it aged them aged a little them. bit. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about the Flash. I find interesting because I think in a Grant Morrison comic where they're like, "Oh, it's fine. Uh, you know, the Flash just tidy this up." And it's like for me that takes a week. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? I'm not going to yeah. do this. Yeah. Um. So yeah, time dilation is a bit. Also, um. In Star Trek Generations, this one's—I'm not going to step on this too much because there's actually multiple things in the Nexus. Not only are you experiencing time differently, you can go forward or backward in time anywhere, anywhere in the universe that you want to go. It's like that's a very wishy-washy thing. Yeah, that's not a star. Yeah, that's where it comes like the Star Trek question. You know, the furrowing of the brow. Like, how does this work? Mm, We're not going to tell you. Nope, don't like that. <laughs> uh, you you tell me how this works. That's sci- that's Star Trek. That's not Star Wars. Not the fucking Force. Um, but as a concept, I find that's interesting. The one that you get another example from the nineties is, is Lost in Space, where you have Jared Harris of all people playing the older version of Will Robinson. And it's like you know, in this bubble, time has moved forward by like thirty years. And you're like, what? Yeah. And a, and a good example of a time dilation film that people don't realize is a time dilation film, mm-hmm. Planet of the Apes. Planet of the Apes, mm-hmm. brilliant example. Be- because the, uh, they did it, god damn you, mm-hmm. you, <laughs> blo- you maniacs, you blew it all to hell. The yeah. fact that the Statue of Liberty is like buried up to the shoulders, basically, shows yeah. that time has passed. And again, it's my astronaut example of like, 
um, Charlton Heston and his team have travelled off and come mm-hmm. back, mm-hmm. and the fact that he has gone away from Earth and come back again means that hundreds of years or thousands of years, whatever ends up being, I, mm. I can't remember the actual timeline. Mm. Time has been experienced by the people on the planet much more differently, much much faster than it has by Charlton Heston. Yeah, and that's how he ends up on Planet of the Apes, and how Planet of the Apes is Earth all along. <laughs> oh, no. I, have, I have a question: Is this alternative timeline or is this time dilation? Superman going counterclockwise, <laughs> making the Earth spin, which Same. again is utter bullshit. It would just rip the world apart. But yeah. Mm. Yeah, all the all the seas would like slosh to one side, and it wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> there would just be worldwide floods and chaos, yeah. and the tectonic plates would it, explode. It's the ultimate villain thing. It's I'm surprised think... that Man of Steel doesn't do it. <laughs> yeah, um, there is actually a theory again, getting into weird theories, theories, theories that he's not spinning the world back himself. That's just to show that time is going backwards. Oh, he's traveling back. He's traveling backwards, and got that's it, him traveling backwards it. in time. And to demonstrate that, the world spins backwards to show that it's traveling. He's not spinning mm. the world. He's traveling fast enough that he's doing time dilation. I don't know. He stops basically. at one point, and the world keeps spinning. Then he goes forward to make it go back the normal way again. I, th- I, I don't know. It's, but it's also like the whole slingshot around the sun stuff. So it's eh. Yeah. Slingshot yeah. around the sun, in theory, works. Gravity slingshots are a thing. Yeah. It's lazy. It's lazy science fiction. The Martian. <laughs> you heard me. I like The Martian, but... Yeah, it's also an Armageddon, technically. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly, exactly. That does work in theory. Like, if you could travel fast enough, the world would spin backwards if you were able to observe it from a neutral perspective. I guess, mm. but people are fuck that movie. Still fuck that movie. <laughs> um, but this actually, the the Planet of the Apes thing does lead us to the next category quite interestingly because mm. one could argue that. Is it time dilation, or is it in fact that they're frozen in time and they don't realise they're frozen? Quite possibly. Um, and the frozen time one is, is again, it's tricky because it's cryogenics. It's arguably, on, on a very silly end of the spectrum, Austin Powers and, and Encino Man or California <laughs> yeah. Man. But it's also Captain America. Yeah. Um, it's Futurama literally frozen well. Futurama, the entire premise of Futurama yeah. entirely. Um, you kind of forget that Futurama is. I mean, it's called Futurama. You should probably guess <laughs> it. But like that, that is a time travel show, whether you like it or not. Exactly. He is a man out of time. Is Philip J. Fry? Mm. Yeah, and Forever Young with Mel Gibson. As weird as that one is, although again, he's actually I think frozen in a pod. I can't remember the reason he's not. He's a test pilot. I think it's for whatever reason. But there's one that that Tim and myself, and I want to say Jack as well really 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 enjoy um because i don't know what the t- the frozen in time movie the definitive one everyone says what's a frozen in time film that you can think of and i must admit i think captain america might be it now mm. for the for contemporary audiences i think but, that's the point of reference for modern audiences yeah, yeah but the one i'm thinking of the one that tim put in all caps in our notes <laughs> is the one i would immediately think of myself um and that's demolition man yeah um, hell yeah yeah, fuck yeah, the Demolition Man. Yeah, because it, it, it's a strange one because I think a lot of people wouldn't think of it as time travel because because there's no giant leap. I, I mean, there is a, there's a giant leap forward in from our perspective mm. and from the character who's been frozen, but they they are essentially doing time travel the slowest way possible. Um, it's the time capsule. The time time yeah. is not time is traveling normally, but you are suspended within it. Yeah. But that's also true of time dilation in a strange way. So, yeah. But you're right. It's 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 the one that people don't think may not think of as time travel. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah. I mean, Demolition Man. Oh, so good. 
um, but it, uh, and so for most of those kind of stories, it's about culture clash, really. You know, oh man, it's you know, you look at Captain America, you look at en- Encino slash California Man, depending on you know where you are. Um, it's about a person from a previous time or possibly the present experiencing either the present or the future. Um, which is always, it's almost always phrased or framed, I should say. If somebody's coming from the past to our timeline, it's, ha ha ha, fool. Um, look at uh, them being surprised by newfangled equipment. Mm. But also they've got a bit of their old rustic know-how. If it's us going to the future, we're always the fucking hero. Yeah. We're always showing them the way of doing things. It's never you go to the future and like, oh my God, you are such a fucking racist. Yeah. It's like, mm. what? Yeah. Um, I mean, e- even if you, t- I mean, everybody has experienced this generation generationally where you go to a party or something at Christmas or some sort of, uh, you know, festive seasonal gathering. You have to be around families, like a wedding or any celebration. And some old uncle says, what, why can't I say that anymore? And like, Oh my God, you, you just can't say that. Well, when word. I was younger, me and me and my mates were saying it all the time. Yeah, I know. And you really shouldn't have then either. Yeah, but it's different. And it's like, no, it's not. It, and that's only within the space of like, uh, maybe a decade or two and sometimes yeah. even a year or yeah. two and that's the nature of the us going forward in time he doesn't know how to use the three seashells ah it's like yeah why the fuck would i <laughs> what the fuck in the same way that we like oh he doesn't know how to use an ipad well obviously you dig it <laughs> um but that's kind of the the kind of frozen time point as as Tim point out it's entirely culture shock mm-hmm. it, the, the almost the, the traveling through time nobody's like oh no i need to get back to my time although the Again, in Cena, man, I need to freeze myself again. There's the mindset of like, I don't want this anymore. Mm. Whatever this is, I'll just try it again and wake up another 10 years and hopefully it'll be better then. You'll have to sort it all out. Yay. Um, if you think like Austin Powers again, it's like, oh, look at that idiot with these 60s mindsets. Like, yeah, you 90s people weren't, <laughs> weren't that great either. So I don't know where you, where you get off. Yeah, and with, with, with those films, it's often the tragedy of like, well... Because it's not time travel in the traditional sense, there's absolutely no way for those people to get back to the time that they have left no, behind. No. You know, there's, you know, even with something like time dilation, you're usually playing it at a level where you're like, oh, there may be some way. Maybe I can use this bookcase to send a message back. Uh, <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and then one final kind of one that we haven't really touched on, and I'm sure people point out that there's additional types, but the, we kind of wanted to, I'm sure to look at the, the little, little nuanced subgenres we've never yeah, heard of. The yeah. biggest ones, which is where a character can send their mind through time without necessarily sending their body. And mm. this can cover things as diverse as uh, X Men Days of Future Past, where you have a future Wolverine projecting his consciousness back into 1970s Wolverine, or it could be 13 going on 30, where you have the 13-year-old girl's consciousness jumping forward into a 30-year-old <laughs> body one, uh, mm-hmm. both of which are time travel. Another example I always think of is the butterfly effect as well, mm. so the, the alternate, I think it's I the like alternate that ending. I, I like it as well. Ashton mm. Kutcher isn't terrible in that film. No, no, it's good. Yeah, um, and that film... I think it's the alternate cut, not the actual. The like, director's the actual cut ending. is the better one, I think. Yeah. Yeah, the director's cut. He uh, spoilers for a what seventeen-year-old movie or whatever the fuck that is at this point, where he sends his mind back in time to kill himself in the womb or something like that. And it's like, wow, that's that's weird and dark. But when you say like mental time travel, that's what I always think of is that mm. kind of that kind of thing. And then, uh, uh, in preparation for the show, you were both like, uh, 
Days of Future Past? You're like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wolverine totally did that as well. Which actually because, works better than it does in the comic. Because magic. Well, because yeah. I, I, I know it's supposed to be Kitty Pryde who goes back in time. You're like, okay, fine. But Wolverine is one character who's been there through all these experiences in this particular universe. And therefore, you could just send it. Like, oh, he'll definitely be there. He'll definitely be the ages <laughs> now because you've built the just... franchise around him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we can make that work, and I, I think that's. Um... And again, to a degree, there is the logic of that's also maybe a Christmas Carol, or at least the ghost of Christmas past. Mm. Um, and it does come down to magic most of the time because it's consciousness. It's not. Um, you're not in like a fugue state where you're just sitting there all like zoning out while your body's. Off doing something separate, like a, like a you know, astral projection kind of thing. Yeah, um, it, it's more the idea that you just happen to slip back, and it, like in the butterfly effect, every single time it causes an alternative timeline. And he's like, "What the fuck happened now?" And he's got these notebooks and things, mm. and these blackouts, and they set up quite well. But other times, it's just um, source code is a very interesting version. I, I won't talk about that too much because might be. I really really it. like that film. That's a very clever film, in my opinion. I, I think yeah, very very well done, in my opinion. Um, but we'll move on because we've been talking a lot about certain things. We'll um, get to my pick, if that's okay with you guys. Go for it. So I should first start out. I'm not picking an anime. I'm not picking Star Trek. <laughs> and I'm what? not picking something from the last century. So have your minds blown. <laughs> Who are you and what have you done with Matthew Stockton? You're some kind of alternate timeline evil yeah. clone. Look at his goatee. He's obviously evil. I mean, that, that explains a lot. The, uh, the the thing is that when you get to both timelines, you realize both of us are evil. It's like, oh, well, that's unfortunate. You've got the Terran Empire facial hair, let's be real. Uh, I really do. And we are living in that fucking timeline. <laughs> okay, so this is the dark timeline. It all, it all lines up. Almost definitely. So my choice is, in my opinion, a fucking massively, massively underrated film. Really fucks me off. Also, I know I said it's not anime, but it's by a Japanese light novel. Yeah, it's, it's based <laughs> it's on an adaptation of a Japanese light novel. So, so yeah. With a fantastic title. Oh, we'll get to the title. Don't yeah, you Yeah, so the title is a bit of a problem because it has technically multiple titles and it doesn't <laughs> seem to settle on something. So the Doug Lyman 2014 film, Edge of Tomorrow. A.K.A. As Live, Die, Repeat. The adaptation based of on the book. <laughs> All You Need Is Kill. <laughs> Um, oh god I remember seeing the advert for this and I was at uh, an MCM convention in London for it and they had a, they had a lot of uh, PR promotional ma uh, material everywhere for the marketing stuff and I saw it and thought ah Tom Cruise it'll be fine it's a big budget thing I like Emily Blunt it, he, I think he chose to do this instead of Pacific Rim or something I don't remember but it's got mini mech suits so I'm okay <laughs> um, and I thought it this has. is yeah I thought this is kind of cool I like the idea I like the aesthetic and I, I didn't have many expectations. I hadn't at that point read the um, uh, the the light novel it's based on. I know uh, Christopher McQuarrie is working on the script. And I'm like, oh, they, these are talented individuals. Watched the film, fucking loved it. Mm, Absolutely too. adored it. The music by Christoph Beck is fantastic. Really brings you in. The acting is spectacular. I love the fact that Tom Cruise plays a goddamn weasel. Mm -hmm. He plays a weasel <laughs> that becomes a hero through... And the thing that, the, 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 all those like, oh, it's Groundhog Day, but time loop. I actually don't think that's right at all. I think, if anything, this film is, hey, audience, this is a video game. Yeah, it's entirely... It, I mean, it works it is, on yeah. video game logic. It's, you have a save point, and every time you die, you go back to that save point. 
It's it, Dark Souls. <laughs> it's Dark Souls. I was about to say, it's Dark yeah. Souls. So he, he needs to kill all these particular enemies who will pop out in this particular way. So yeah. he just replays that level over and over again it's until he knows enemy deployment and how many hit points they have. Yeah. And he can just go, he's on the left, he's on the right. That guy's going to pop up there. That thing's on the ground. It's going to pop up here. Yep. Straight away. It's Dark so Souls. good. And and the fact is that as well, it, 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 the, the problem with the time loop film is why it works better as a short film most of the time rather than, rather than a feature film. It gets really tired really fast, but this film really cleverly, in my opinion, it changes up three or four times where it goes. Mm. The the actual, it's not just the same battlefield over and over and over. It does different things. It evolves slightly in the same way that you can, let's take Bloodborne, for example. You've like got these side missions. You're like, oh, this is an optional bit. I don't have to go here. It doesn't further the story, but I want to see what's over here. Mm. And you're like, interesting. And the thing as well, because I, I remember the interviews that Doug Lyman was were prepping for this film and said uh and everyone said this is gonna be a really crazy undertaking a lot of really mad things going on the set if you've ever seen behind the scenes footage they built that whole beach basically that was a war zone a genuine war literally zone. blowing it up and stuff yeah. <laughs> precisely and tom cruise said to lyman if you want me to do this six or even seven days a week i'll fucking do it man because it's tom cruise he's a psycho yeah <laughs> and lyman just said all right we'll do a six-day shoot which is you're wearing a mech suit on a beach you dumb fuck <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're gonna die i'm gonna fling you around um it's gonna it's gonna kill you and of course the rest of the cast is like shit well, well it, and it's the almost the alexander the great mindset if he's doing it we'll have to do it i think emily blunt was like really severely ill she got like hernias or something I from doing so, that. Yeah. Some, something really mm. bad and they were, the whole anybody who had to wear that fucking suit for multiple days was just so fucked up <laughs> because anytime you have like a costume which is like a, for, for a tv series or for a film the first time they put on the suit like the big batman suit it weighs 90 pounds and then by the time they get to the end of the filming it's down to 10 pounds <laughs> because they figured out ways to make it work not the chance with this film you just fucking whip through it but they were like oh lyman's gotta be have to be on his game you know he how is he gonna be able to direct this and get it all in his head and get it right and they were like oh uh, I don't think we have a problem anymore because they turned on the first day and he was playing tennis. Um, <laughs> but that's how he got round it. He was like, every morning he would get up and he'd play like tennis on this court. And it's, it's a fascinating look behind. And the reason I mentioned this, by the way, this anecdotal stuff is because it's paramount to understand why the film is good. Everybody on set gave everything to this movie. Mm. And you can tell because they all act like they're experiencing things for the first time. And Cruz steps around people perfectly as if he knows exactly what's going to happen inside. And to be fair, that's the nature of acting. On a film set, you kind of should know what's going to happen. Yeah. You, you should know this is going to be... Probably literally have done dozens of takes of that particular shot at that that's point. That's why so a time loop shouldn't be out of the ordinary because you're like, can you do this take I hadn't really times? thought about that, yeah. yeah. Filming is a time loop. Yeah, it's, it, it becomes a weird metaphor, a bit like Inception is a metaphor for filmmaking. Very much, very much so. And I think, I, I, I don't know what, I genuinely, I genuinely don't know why this film didn't take off as much as it did. It did fine. It did genuinely fine. Really badly marketed. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the things. And and nobody knows what it's called anymore. The change of the titles was a big problem, I think. The Edge of Tomorrow was perfectly fine. I think it was Brubaker, uh, the, 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 um, the comic writer, who turned around and said, this is one of the best time travel sort of time movies of all yeah. time. Mm. And I agree. I, I genuinely think it's, it's one of my favorite time travel in broad terms movies because for me it's almost flawless that's a very Ooh, bold bold, that's a bold statement but i mean just the logic of it the logic works 
and it sets the rules and doesn't fuck with the rules. And when you think, think, okay, so the, the rules. I talked in, about with primer as well. Precisely. That's what I like when it works. The rules in this one is that the uh, the reason that, that Tom Cruise's character does have this time loop is because this this one particular alien explodes and dies and bl- his blood seeps into him. So it's almost like you become a hybrid creature. Mm. And they realize that once they um, kill him in a certain way, that it will stop. And they'll be like, right, now we can... Everyone's caught in the loops. The aliens are... Well, most of the aliens are aware, it seems. And um, the, the mimics, I think they're called. Um, and Tom Cruise is aware. And Emily Blunt's character is like she's the angel of Verdun or something like that, or Verdun, because at the end of the day, she was previously infected in the same loop and she tried everything she could. And then she got hit once and had a blood transfusion to save her life and the power was gone. She's still an amazing warrior because obviously you have that muscle memory that you can't tell how you're going to win. And that's the only reason these mimics, these aliens, are spectacular warriors because every time they start losing. They're like, okay, fine, reset. We'll go do it again. Mm. And that's genius as a concept. But then the stakes are heightened because, again, slight spoilers, towards the end of the movie, like, they got a plan. They know what they're going to do. They've, you know, gone on a loop multiple times. They've in how to, to do all this stuff with this, this uh, specific doctor, etc. Great. And then Cruz loses the ability to, to, to travel through time. He's, that's it now. Mm. You're in the loop. And, and everything that happens now you don't have that flippancy of like, ah, it's fine. I'll just kill myself and reset. Mm. It's like, no, 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 no. This is it. Now, if you die, we're fucked. Yeah. And the stakes then change. And because it evolves over those three things, I don't, I don't think, for example, when Bill Murray comes out of his looping groundhog day, it's from a personal change of character. It's almost the, 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 uh, it's a wonderful lifestyle, you know, change of outlook Mm. that, that, that that shifts it finally, the, the wish granting as it were. Um, whereas in this film, it's like, Oh no, the danger's real again. Um, and I think it's spectacular. I think it's, I think it's, if you haven't seen it, by the way, fuck you. <laughs> um, and also, please go see Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, it's, try it's available. And Google both of the titles, depending on what region yes, you're in, and try to find it on. Live, die, repeat. I think, I think yeah. it's Edge of Tomorrow here in the UK and in Europe, and it's Live, Die, Repeat. And then it changed when it was released on Blu ray, which it swapped yeah. around again. So the Blu ray is now called Live, Die, Repeat, I think, Matt. I think it's called Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow, but I don't... Colon, Edge of Tomorrow, yeah. yeah. Oh, fuck I, that. Uh, by the way, bullshit. <laughs> Live, Die, Repeat is a really good marketing it, I mean, it started out as the tagline, but they put, it, the, tag, it is the, yeah, they the, put the tagline bigger on the poster than Edge of Tomorrow, and so people yep. started calling it Live, Die, Repeat. It's, it's, a, it's a big Precisely. picture of the two of them in their mech suits, and it says Live, full stop, Die, full stop, repeat. And the bottom, Edge of Tomorrow, and then all the movie credits, yeah. as you know, and a yeah. poster. I get Ugh. it, but it's just, again, it's, it's, it's badly done. Um, so there's a few titles for it, but go watch it. It's fucking great, mm. and I love it. Agreed. But that kind of brings us, brings us on, because it's very much an action movie that then utilises time travel to make it very much, much more so. interesting. If, so. if it did not have that, it would just be Tom Cruise... It, it would be Oblivion, basically. It would be Tom Cruise <laughs> fights yeah, aliens. Yeah. It would be a... A satireless starship troopers yes oh yeah just yeah. bland as balls um mm-hmm. and it's really interesting to see how time travel can uh, because time travel is one of those things where it's a in you can have a film that is time travel pure that's what primer is it's purely about the consequences and kind of the philosophical outcomes yeah. of time travel yes but you can also fuse time travel onto pretty much any other genre 
and have it create mm. this interesting twist of it. We talked about Happy Death Day when we were talking about Groundhog Day type films, yes, and that yes, is a yes. that is a a slasher film, kind of as pure as they come, fused uh, with Groundhog Day rules, mm-hmm. um, which gives. So what would essentially be maybe like the either the first or the final kill in a slasher movie suddenly becomes this thing that you repeat over and over and over again until you solve mm-hmm. the mystery without having to see the killer go on, you know, this bloody rampage and kill a bunch of other people kind of thing. Um, there's even things like romantic comedies that infuse time travel. Um Kate and Leopold. Uh, Kate and Leopold. Which God is uh, Hugh Jackman as a uh, like a nineteenth century count who travels through to yes future uh, to present day New York. Um, it's because he follows Liev Schreiber. Yeah, who goes back and he's like they're talking about the 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 Brooklyn Bridge going up. He says, "My God, so and so's erection." And he's going, like, <laughs> "It's like ah, <laughs> Liv Schreiber, what are you doing?" And, doesn't, and then he follows he, him back. He ends up inventing the. Uh, he the, lift the lift or something. The yeah. elevator. And so when he's not gone back in time, all the lifts stop working. Yeah. Um, uh, and then there's also uh, the lake house, which is a, a time travel. I actually like the lake house. Yeah. Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock kind of yeah. writing letters to each other across time. Um, yeah. There's all these weird little, and it shows how much that transition in the eighties from time travel being this quite, out there subject that no one could really mm. n- nobody trusted audiences would be able to wrap their minds around something that you can yes. literally throw in to you know a comedy to a romance to add yeah. an extra wrinkle to the to the genre underpinnings precisely because obviously you've got the big heavy science fiction and star trek is a great example of that it's it's science fiction therefore of course you'd have some time travel somewhere in the same way that if you have a science fiction television show there's probably a time loop episode or a time travel episode yeah. because that's just almost a given. Then you had things like, um, if you want to make like, like a family drama in a weird way, a family adventure drama, or a kids drama, you get Flight of the Navigator, for example. You know, boy meets E.T. style sort of mm. thing, but with time travel, effectively. Um, <laughs> you've got the horror element, as, as Tim mentioned, the slash film, but also in a weird way, the Terminator. Mm. The Terminator is literally a, is a horror film. In the, it's, it's, it's the pursuer. Mm. The, the first one, certainly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, then you've got things that are, Change things up again. The more you go on, the more you get things like you know Bill and Ted fusing a few things. So you have got technically high school stoner comedy, mm. effectively. Um, again, Warlock is another good example of a good, uh, well, not necessarily good, but it, definitely a horror one. Um, Time Cop becomes a police procedural. Mm. Um, uh, you've also got um, let's see here. What else do we have? Are they under the one in my Triangle? I don't know if people have seen. Uh, is a really interesting kind of time loop predestination uh horror Ooh, film um, interesting about uh a group of people getting kind of stuck on a uh, uh an abandoned ship um mm. which is very much um uh it, it goes through several loops and you rec- realize that the the protagonist is also the antagonist and is also this other person in the thing of course Ooh, of course cool yeah but also you have things like um uh, satire, so mm. idiocracy, mm. and then as, as well as romantic comedy, there's also just straight romance things like the Time Traveler's Wife, for example, um, and kind of maybe Midnight in Paris in a weird way. Um, yeah, I would, I would definitely say that's yeah. time travel. Yeah, and and also um, Field of Dreams, weirdly enough, because it's like, oh, is it ghosts? It's like, no, it's kind of time travel. It's like, 
<laughs> is it? It's like, I think it is. They're alive at the time. They're aware of things happening. They're not ghosts who are ghosts of base. It's like, huh. So again, it's, it's interpretation of that sort of thing. But the, as Tim said, it's the case of because this burst of uh, or explosion of um, understanding in an audience consciousness, you can utilize it very strongly in different and exciting ways. And it becomes not only the central focus of a film like Primer, for example, it becomes almost um, a, an event within a film that can be a resolve, like, say, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. It's like, oh, and, and sometimes films, again, it comes down to writing. Is it clever or is it not? Because um, we talk about, like, for example, Kate and Leopold. That's a really weird one to actually talk about the science of, because in the first five minutes of the film, it ruins itself by being really <laughs> blunt, by really, really heavy-handed. I don't know if there's a director's cut or not, but, but Meg Ryan is in the past at the start. And you're like, huh? And it's not like she's in the background. She walks into shot. You're like, mm. that's Meg Ryan. The fuck? And then at the end of the movie, it's like, oh, well, that's spoiled that. <laughs> but it, again, it's the whole, like, we want to make it really clever in the background, but no one's going to notice and no one's going to watch this film twice. Fuck it, we'll sling it in the foreground. It's like, what? That's, um, that's, anyway. That sounds like it's very much a case of we don't trust the audience to understand what's going on, and so we're going to have to very really so. fucking foreground it. Which, again, is the nature of this, this idea of audience acceptance of time travel. Um, there will be the idea of how much people are willing to accept before they go, I don't really understand it. Don't really care. And then finally it's in Men in Black 3 and like, it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. It's in a big budget film. It's fine. People will get it. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> but it's always interesting to see like what, what things though adding time travel brings out. Sometimes, you know, it's purely, it's central to the plotting of a particular film. Um, yes. and, and in most of these cases that's true, but it also tends to bring out certain kind of like themes in those because as soon as you add time travel to a love story, for example, then yeah. it usually adds this whole extra, there's, there's the ideas of predestination, like are these people meant, meant to be together despite, you know, living in two different times, you know, time periods. Um, or they're your mother. Or they're, or they're your mother and it's, you know, frowned upon. <laughs> um, frowned upon, <laughs> Christ. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, you can also talk about the kind of the the inevitability the the, the fact that two people mm, can come together mm. despite time being one of the barriers in 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 their way so to speak um which is very much the what used to be the uh the clear analogy for a previous generation of wait but i'm serving in the war in turkey and i've fallen in love with you how do i but you're from here and i'm from there how can we make this work it's like yeah, that's what our generation has. Yes. I'm from the past, you're from the present. How <laughs> yes. do we make it Ra work? Rather than like a, te a teary-eyed like departure on a railway station as, you know, one yes. of them heads off to the war. It's, well, I have to go back through this time hole and go back to medieval France. <laughs> yeah. But I love you so much. Ah, uh, wee oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> but I'm also your great, 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 great grandfather. <laughs> um, and then we go back and we, you know discover that the Eiffel Tower has been renamed the Diane Tower. Oh, that's ex yeah. Or alternatively, there's an Abraham Lincoln monkey statue. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of uh, sort of brings us very neatly over to my pick because my pick is very much one of these smaller scale stories of a different genre uh, and from a director who has worked almost exclusively in a genre that has 
very little in the way of fantasy or science fiction in it, um, and yet created this film, which I think is a really fun time travel story that explores a lot of uh, a lot of interesting deployments of it, but also ultimately does does away with the time travel, um, and that's about time. The Richard Curtis movie, yes, with, uh, Donald Gleeson and uh, Rachel McAdams in it. And it's mm-hmm. essentially, it's another one of these rom-coms with a time travel twist, which is that <laughs> the men in Domhnall Gleeson's family, his, his dad is played by Bill Nye, have the ability to essentially do the mental time travel trick. They, uh, he can close his eyes, he goes into a dark space, space, closes his eyes, thinks about the time within his own timeline that he wants to travel back to, mm-hmm. and then he jumps back and gets to play that moment out again. Um, and then go forward as normal. Um, and so to him, it becomes this way of, you know, it, it, in a very, it's a very Richard Curtis English comedy of manners type thing because it allows you to see a person completely screw up, you know, asking someone out or, you know, oh, making a fool of themselves at an mm. important event. And then that person gets to go back in time and redo it and be charming this time. Um, yes. It's it's kind of like separate. It's like they put Hugh Grant into a centrifuge and separated out all of his <laughs> ingredients. Um, uh, but I I think it's a really it, it it's a it's a film that taps into the idea of kind of uh, regret, like what what would you change if you had a chance? Um, and it's really interesting and you know mild spoilers here that essentially he. Um, it does a couple of really interesting things with time travel. One of which is that as soon as the character has a child, um, they can't go back before the moment of conception because the that sperm meeting that egg is a decision that they have no particular choice over. And so mm. they try it yep. once and their child like changes gender and is like completely different because the the slightest change can twinge, you know, can can send you into an alternate timeline, essentially, um, that they have no control over. So they have they have these hard boundaries that become built in, like, oh, okay, well, at this point, I can't go back before then because otherwise, I'm I'm weirdly kind of giving myself a new child, like I'm resetting my child each time. Mm-hmm. Um, and also at, towards the end of the film, and again, this spoiler warning, um, essentially, Domhnall Gleeson stops time traveling um and he makes the decision to uh essentially go through each day as if he's going through it the second time Mm -hmm. um and to try and not worry about the just the the knowing that you're kind of oh i can get through anything because i can time travel back and, and set it right allows you to appreciate the little things in life and so he tries to make his philosophy to do that the first time around anyway um and i think it's a it's a really interesting film in terms of the uh the thematic and emotional journeys that the characters go on and time travel as a kind of an emotional tool is something we've got, we've slightly touched on and, and how it can play into the themes of a story and what it can mean in different places sometimes it purely is a plot engine and then sometimes it becomes this 
this philosophical, this emotional component to a story. It can be about, you know, trying to hold on to memories of someone or trying to, you know, how much would you give up to undo a mistake? You know, <laughs> quite a pulpy film, but something like The Butterfly Effect, which is basically yeah, about yeah. a guy trying to undo mistakes in his past. But by doing that, it keeps getting worse and worse. And he decides at the end, you know, well, sacrificing my life undoes all the bad things that I've done. And so I'll give up my life in the knowledge or in the hope that things will be better for my friends and family going forward. It's mm. there's, uh, I think that even though it's something that we can't, none of us have experience of in real life, I don't think, unless you're out there, time travelers. Um, <laughs> and yet there's, themes that it presents that weirdly everyone can kind of latch onto. Yeah, I think they you kind of nailed it with emotional core because that's the one thing we didn't really drill down too much on the with the genre stuff is you know if it, like Edge of Tomorrow, yes, there's a bit of emotional stuff in the same way there's emotional stuff in in Groundhog Day or even even in in Primer because the nature of the friendship devolving. Mm. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, but. They are all almost not incidental, but they're slightly um, and definitely not inconsequential. But um, they're almost secondary. They're not what the filmmakers are are, are focused on. In no, in that it's story it's the genre is the paramount thing. Mm. We're doing a sci-fi thing. We're doing an action thing. We're doing a romance thing. We want this, this, this. I think this is a good example. I, I think it's reach out exceeds exceeds its grasp, in my opinion. But I think you're you're definitely right. It has a lot of interesting concepts to it. I think it very much for me when I watched it. God, was like seven or eight years ago this thing came out. I think twenty thirteen. I think yeah. yeah so yeah. yeah, and I, I remember it didn't do especially well in this. I mean, again, I don't know the, the specific numbers, but I remember at the time nobody kind of cared about it. Mm. It's like, oh, Richard Curtis, he's doing a time travel film. I went, nah, fuck it, yeah, not gonna bother. Um, and I think if I'm again, I could be wrong with this. I, I'm, I'll edit it out if I am. Um, I don't think he's directed a film since. I know he's been involved in films, mm. but he hasn't directed one since. Um, because in a way, what's interesting to me about this is um, it speaks to me as somebody who is an artist who creates stuff, and it speaks to me as somebody, like everybody, who loses people, mm. um, in the sense that this film tells you that if you're, if you're with someone who is terminally ill, and you have to make the conscious decision not to see them, or alternatively, not to be around a certain event shall we say and more actively when they do eventually die how long do you keep digging out the old shoebox of memories and then the 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 you know the base definition of the word nostalgia isn't a good thing it's you know it's 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 pain from the past how long do you keep opening that wound before you accept and move on and then look back on those things fondly in a separate way rather than i wish i could have done this differently i wish i could have changed this i should have done this i should have done that that mm. kind of thing you almost come to an acceptance now obviously this is a very heightened version because of the nature of the plot um, but I think the emotional cause there, but also if we talk about in a very flippant way, if I'm, I'm segueing from death, let's say George Lucas or Francis Ford Coppola. It's, it's <laughs> been announced. I don't know if it's actually going to happen or not, but it's been announced that Francis Ford Coppola is doing a new version of, uh, or re reworked version of the Godfather part three, much like his multiple versions of apocalypse now. And I'm like, okay. Um, and it's, we, we beat you to it. Francis, yeah, sorry. We nailed it. My <laughs> script was good. Um, but Job done. It's, it's the idea of like, you know, a director's cut or 50 versions of Blade Runner or three versions of Alexander by Oliver mm -hmm. Stone. And it's like, sometimes you need to just not delete the footage. 
Yeah. <laughs> or put it in an archive because you don't need to go back and make a fifth fucking special edition of Star Wars. You know, it's it's the whole just let it be its own thing. Yeah. Don't worry about going back now. All the mistakes are on there. It's like, yeah, but I can fix it. It's like you don't have to fix it. And that's kind of again the 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 moral of life and things. It's like uh there's an old adage that a man who looks at his feet will always fall over. Um, mm. because you're so f- obsessed and focused on where you're going that you won't look at what you're, you know, you walk into stuff mm. and you will literally still fall over anyway. Um, and I think this film is, 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 hmm, would I recommend people watch it? Yeah, I mean, I always recommend people watch films. I always say people should go out and just <laughs> make their own opinions and, and all that filming. I think it's also very competently directed and very competently written and mm. really well acted. Um, there is something about the whole like scrunching up your face and you're balling your fist and going, to travel through time it's like you're taking a shit um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit interesting um but no i think it's i think it's it has a lot of a, in terms of time travel the discussion it raises is very interesting to me mm. yeah it's something that i wasn't expecting to like as much as i did i, I had like no real expectations going into it and not quite in the same way that i've experienced prime i didn't go in completely blind i had the kind of gist of it described mm. to me and and knew the principal cast and all that kind of stuff. But it really is the chemistry between Rachel McAdams and Donald Gleeson mm-hmm. that really made that film for me. And I think they're they're both phenomenal actors mm-hmm. in their own right anyway. They've both been in fantastic things over the years. But the way they play off each other, and in a similar way to Primer, how um, Tim's, not you, Tim, character yeah. Tim, Donald, Donald Gleeson's character Tim, how his emotional state progresses throughout the film, as we said, that like it uses time travel in a way of like he's experienced this before, and particularly with not to spoil anything, but like as you mentioned, Matt, the whole death thing, being able to visit people after they've died, he can travel back in time, and there's a moment where he has to choose between one thing or another, you know, that that kind of thing. There's this really nice push and pull between you know, the kind of like circle of life kind of stuff and the, and the different themes of like, should you be living in the moment? Should you plan for the future? Is it worth sacrificing things in the past? Like not not to do a Kylo Ren, speaking mm-hmm. of Donald Gleason, but to, you know, um, kill the past if you have to kind of thing mm-hmm. where you, there's a moment where you have to kind of get over that and, and move forward with your life. And that often is the healthy thing to do. But when that is the right time and what you're willing to sacrifice to move on and move on to that next stage in your life is a really interesting question that this brings up. And I think about time does a really good way of, does a really good thing about describing those kind of emotional journeys you can go on and just uses time travel as a way Mm -hmm. to kind of discuss that in an interesting way. It uses the time travel, not as a like, Oh, it's very science fiction. He uses it as an emotional journey rather than a very hard sci-fi kind of, you know, central point of the film. And I think that's why it works so well is that it doesn't worry too much about balancing science fiction and the kind of emotional romantic side of things. Mm. It does, it uses it as a tool to then enhance the emotional romantic drama kind of side of things. I think that's why it works so well for me. Mm. There's also kind of a weird, almost like a metaphor for anxiety in there of like, you can't. You you could spend all your time obsessing over mistakes you've made in your past and how how Overthinking and how you yeah. oh if yeah. I did it if I went back and did it again then I wouldn't I'd like I'd make sure I didn't bump into that person and then when they asked me that question I'd have a really good answer to it 
and like you know you're in the shower the next day it's like fuck i had the perfect yeah, answer yeah for that. um you know <laughs> that's, so it's, that's my nightly routine Tim. it's it's like it's both like an anxiety power fantasy where you actually can go back yeah, and fix those yeah. things but then it comes to the conclusion that like ultimately you can't spend your life obsessing over getting every interaction perfect you have to just kind of yeah, accept man. that things will go as they go um <laughs> which which is interesting because we talk about how it's used in in genre and I think Jack pointed out perfectly about the nature of the emotional journey itself. It's like, you know, are you traveling through time or are you traveling through your own emotional uh, spectrum to, 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 to change your outlook on things? Um, time travel at the end of the day allows you to explore not only characters, but themes and stories that you think might be trodden and old and kind of old hat. But yeah, effectively it is. It's, it's like uh, it's like oh, I've seen this kind of film before. Ah, but you haven't seen it with this twist to it. You haven't seen it with this prism, this different perspective. Which again, what time travel is? Mm. A Groundhog Day, but it's blah blah blah. Yeah, precisely. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and to um, go back to Groundhog Day, you know that the whole point of that film is that that um, Bill Murray's character has to undergo a kind of an emotional, a spiritual rebirth and yeah. the groundhog day time loop gives him the space and the time that he needs to do that mm. without rest of the world getting in the way yeah i like the one that i really enjoy this is a very mm, contentious shall we say transition from the word emotional but i would say what's interesting is a film that kind of in a sort of roundabout way explores an emotional void when you time travel and how you become almost Dr. Manhattan style um, immune to it, as it were. Mm. Now, literally, obviously, in Watchmen, there is the Dr. Manhattan side. He exists omnisciently throughout time and mm. therefore he becomes, you know, indifferent and apathetic. But specifically, and this might be more for the performance than the actual how it's written, but 12 Monkeys, when you're mm. um, Bruce Willis's character, and it doesn't matter when he's sent back in time because the science isn't very good. He's just sent back to World War One sometimes and these other bits and pieces, and it's never exactly right. He doesn't care. He doesn't care because they're all dead anyway. They're not worth worrying about because they're not the mission. It's like it's not worth like actually being concerned for these people or being involved. But then obviously he becomes emotionally attached and he becomes in this, and then it's like, then you realize the nature of everything. But that's in stark contrast to another um um Bruce Willis time film, which is Looper, where he's purely emotional. Mm. He's like the the full, hardy, harsh actions of the younger man catching up with the older man who just wants to sit down, be calm, and um and just settle down. And effectively, Looper is John Wick. We just see it in a different, broken up order, like a like a Tarantino kind of, yeah. film. Yeah. It's like. I want all the mistakes of my past have literally caught up with me and I thought I could be fine and I need to go back and fix that. The difference is Bruce Willis's character can go back and fix that. Yeah. Whereas John Wick at the moment hasn't <laughs> traveled through time. Oh God. Give him time. Yeah. Give him uh? a phone booth. <laughs> give him time. No. Yeah. And Loop is, Loop is a really interesting film because it, it, the time travel conceit is so central to it and then suddenly it isn't. Yeah, entirely. Um, and then it becomes about different stuff. Um, yeah. About, like, kind of halfway through, you're like, the time travel isn't really that important to this anymore, apart from no. the mm. few moments when it is. Um, 
it's the setting for it. It's not the story of it, which is about this boy and his mother. Yeah. And and this this young man who can't who was trying to find a place and is living a little. He's living for nothing and then lives for something by killing himself. It's, it's, yeah. It's yeah. It's very good because mm. Ryan Johnson's very good <laughs> all the time. Sometimes. Should we uh, just to, to close this episode off? Um, should we whip through a list we found of consider the top 15 time travel movies sure yeah i i was having a look at kind of what people consider the best time travel movies and all that kind of stuff and we've done this before in in various genre topics we've covered in in season episodes and and even occasionally in main season episodes as well but i was actually quite impressed with this list i thought it's, it's a top 15 which I thought was odd you know pick a top 10 you know fair enough stretch it to 15 but suddenly some of our picks and the things we discussed actually came up in this list. So credit to Collider for compiling a pretty decent list. I will we'll chuck a link to this in the show notes so you guys can check it out if you do want to. But straight in at number 15 is Primer. <laughs> there's, there's my boy right there, straight away. Nice. Um, it then goes through various other films. Straight away, we meant, already mentioned it as well. Number 14 is Terminator. A classic, as we said. Yeah. And then the film we've just talked about at number 13, About Time. Hey. <laughs> I think it's a film a lot of people either forget about or like just from the post that don't realise it's a time travel movie, so they don't really pay attention to it in that you know, in, in the same conversation as you never think like oh yeah, Terminator next on the list, about time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> How often do you see those two films like next to each other? And and uh about time being a, a kind of a rom-com is very anti the kind of the the usual kind of people i.e cis white guys uh who are interested in lifts lists of films on the internet um but yes uh so after that back to the future part two which we've obviously mentioned um uh idiocracy which again a lot of people wouldn't consider a time travel film we did mention it it's one of those frozen i had in completely time forgotten sports. yeah yeah you know um uh a future which worryingly seems to be coming to pass. Yeah. <laughs> um, and at 10, Looper, which we've just had another conversation about. Then we got number nine. We briefly mentioned this, uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, um, which well, rather cleverly does it because you don't realise it's a time travel film until it is. Um, and it buries it quite well. It's quite well done. And it's it's what a lot of people consider to be the best of that franchise. Um, yeah. Number eight, again, we brought this up, Star Trek, the 2009 Star Trek specifically. Um, because again, how do you do a reboot of something that's beloved? Do you just go in fresh or do you try and make it a bit more interesting by being self-aware and then ruining it with Khan? <laughs> Khan. Khan. Um, and number seven, again, we just mentioned it, 12 Monkeys. Um, a very subdued Bruce Willis and a very over-the-top Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> We've also already mentioned this film. Around to number six, we have... Edge of Tomorrow. It's good. <laughs> it is good. It's good. To, it's very good. These are all very good. good. It's very good. <laughs> mm. um, in at number five, and this is surprisingly topical now, mm. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, since so good. Bill and Ted 3 has recently come out. Yes. And uh, if you want to know more about Bill and Ted, go and read Matt's review on the redrighthand.co.uk. Please do. Yeah. And then one I mentioned earlier, the time dilation film you kind of forget as a time dilation film or or a lost in frozen in time kind of film as well 
Planet of the Apes. It's because it's the twist. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You don't leave with the twist usually. Uh, and then just to take us through top three, we have Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Mm-hmm. And excellent film. Classic. More yeah, time I have a lot travel. of problems with the time travel rules and that. Terminator makes more sense. Terminator 2 doesn't make any sense. But I get it. <laughs> I get it. It's fine. Uh, number two, the one that basically names an entire genre now, Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. And then at number one, what else could it be but Back to the Future? Let's face it, that's the time travel for everything. So they think of it primarily because it's a very good one, but also more importantly, because of that 20, 30 year cycle we're always banging on about, people won't let this thing die. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and it's to the point where Zemeckis has said, over my dead body, and people are like, deal <laughs> and the thing about back to the future i think is always amazing it's like oh my god it's so cool it's so 80s it's the it's so 80s it's ridiculous and and it's got so much cool stuff it's a kid in the 50s for two hours um, <laughs> but it's so 80s matt for like for two minutes at the yeah. beginning and four minutes and at the end the whole way through it says the 80s is shit <laughs> in ready player one oh i drive a delorean but the 80s is so badass he's trying to get away from the 80s because the 50s Don't are better because start. that's on Ready Player One. Oh, I'm segueing that. Um, but that's kind of the point. It's it's everything in the 80s, like, you know, the run downhill valley, everyone's unemployed and it's all shit. And, you know, there's a slightly better version. But most it's mostly it's like that. Oh, the good old days, the 50s. And you're like, yeah, we know about the 50s. They're, they're pretty bad as well. <laughs> and also a white man invented rock and roll. Oh, God, don't start with the mountain thing. Yeah, the amount of stuff he goes back and, hey, you should be the mayor. Mayor? Yeah. I never thought of that. I have no ambition. Yeah, I've been sweeping this floor this whole time. Um, and then he, when he is the mayor, he's quite shit at it in the sense that the town is run down. You're like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> not good messaging there, Zemeckis. Yeah, I don't... Mm. Go, go play with your motion capture dolls. <laughs> Um, I think you guys will agree that's a fairly comprehensive list. I mean, if we're talking like time travel films, th- those 15 specifically, they're pretty high in most people's mm, immediate yeah. recollection, should we say. Like, without even meaning to, that covered our three. Yeah. Yes. Plus, Very basically everything we've talked about, apart from some, you know, some, some of the classics, maybe not like Time Machines not on there and stuff like that. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. but we'd, we'd obviously love to hear your own favourite time travel films. Mm. Um you can contact us on Twitter at Sequelizers, uh, on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Sequelizers. You can send us an email, Sequelizers at gmail.com. Uh, you can also contact us on the Discord, where we have a lovely discussion board for all of our fans uh, with very many themes, films, TV, uh, video games, etc., um, and place, animation, etc., <laughs> and plenty of room to discuss our latest episodes. These included. Um, so yeah, let us know what your favorite favorite time travels are. Do you do you believe that all time travel should be extremely hard with with rules and boundaries and an end zone, or is it fine for it to just be a floofy? Oh, he gets hit on the head and he wakes up and it's King Arthur time. <laughs> Jack, if our fine listeners want to speak to you personally. Oh, Where God. can they find you on the internet? Those poor listeners can find me, JLW Chambers, on all these social media. And I'm often in the Discord as well. So if you want to come and chat to me directly, I'll chat to you about wrestling or anime or whatever you want. There's lots of stuff going on in the Discord. And uh, 
You can find the links for the Discord and all that stuff on sequelizers.com, which is lovely. There's a little link for the Discord right at the top, and it's also available on our pinned tweet on our Twitter as well. So you can find our shop, our Discord, everything in there nice and easily. You can even find a little bios about us. You click the little about, and you can see the three of us find our little, yeah, information about our it's sort of professional stuff and personal stuff. Not too personal. Basically, what personal. we just list here at the end of the show anyway. <laughs> kind of, yeah. yeah. Just go to the website. You'll find everything. It's fine. It's fine. And Matt, how can people follow you on the internet? Um, you can uh, put a letter in a mailbox and it will find its way to oh. me. As long as it's addressed to Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z, uh, on the various social medias and that aforementioned that works, mailbox. you think? Yeah, Sandra Bullock and uh, Keanu Reeves mail sometimes gets to me and it uh, causes uh, tension in the plot but other times they get my messages <laughs> saying hi what do you think about this and they don't care but you can also go to the redrighthand.co.uk to read my reviews as Jack has mentioned I have recently reviewed uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music uh, yeah well, that's my close <laughs> casual review um, in summary yeah, yeah. Um, and you can also go to cheeseman.com and see the films and various things I make including as I say uh, a short film called The Titan's Eagle, which is a a, a time loop movie. Can can people view Titan's Eagle? Anymore? No, I don't know why I said that. I can't I think I don't so. say that, yeah. no, no. Tim, have you mentioned how we can see you specifically on the internet? I have not. It's pretty easy. You just need to shoot yourself into a black hole, uh, and then you will experience time uh, simultaneously everywhere and uh, every when at once forever. Which is where you live. Which is where <laughs> I live. It's also trivia underscore Tim lad the on photo. Twitter um, and. Uh, yeah, you can come and uh, pester me there. Um, you can also check out our Sequelizers Patreon uh, at patreon.com slash sequelizers if you want ways to support us and the episodes that we put out. We are deeply appreciative of everyone who does. Um, you get all kinds of benefits there, bonus episodes, discounts on merch, uh, early access to our episodes, a whole bunch of extra goodies that you can get there. Uh, and if you can't uh, support us financially, then you can just give us a rating and review on uh, your podcast catcher of choice, be it iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, we deeply appreciate all of those as well. The only thing left to do, I guess, is to to thank the the manic, the weird, the crazy Doc Browns that uh, support <laughs> us, <laughs> our executive producers. First off being Dr. Mike Salvia. Not a doctor. Dr. Stuart Main. Not a doctor. Dr. Jonathan Firthclark. Not a doctor. That we know of. Maybe they are doctors. No, I'm no, pretty sure they're not. Be doctors. I've traveled through all time. They never become doctors. Other things, but not doctors. They can become other things, but not doctors. Hey, it's either all a joke or none of it is. Thank you, Ruffalo. Sums it up nicely, and that sums this show up quite nicely as well. Mm. So, on that note, thank you very much for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with more interseason goodness. And you better believe it's a return of one of your favourites. Oh, yeah. Doing the Terminator thumb, but you can't see it. <laughs> but thank you for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. We should probably uh, loop back and, and do the intro again, because I, I think I can do better than that Marty crap. I, I, I can do another one. I'll get it right this time. Tim, can you can you power up the machine? Yeah, yeah. Hang on. Um, I just need to finish feeding coins into it. I don't know why we designed it to take change. 
why we couldn't just. Oh, I mean, you can't use change in this like COVID nineteen era. Oh, I suppose so, that you know, that is good everything's contactless. So you got to find a use. We, for we just decided that coins were available in the past, and therefore they'd be available in the future. We were foolish. Yeah. Stop talking and get in the box, man. Right. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Okay. <laughs> and welcome back to some interseason goodness from your boys at Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, is Matthew Stockton. Leaf. It's make like a tree and leaf. I'll, I'll, I'll let you have that one, Matt. That was, that was not bad. That was not bad. Yeah, that's, uh, that's better this time. Because the, the, the breadth of references you could have used, I'm glad you actually had something. It makes, makes a nice change. Good to see you putting in the effort for once. Well, Stockton. you know, I, I knew what was coming this time around, so I, I did it. Because you've experienced it before? You knew yes. what was coming? I did it right this time. So, yeah. Ah, in this timeline you did in it right. In this timeline it was correct. The previous time I went, oh, 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 Marty! <laughs> etc. Etc. And of course, also joining us as always, is Tim Matum. This will only make sense to time travellers and giant nerds. 